Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Well, that was a busy night, wasn't it? Much more action than we expected in round one of the NFL draft. I'm joined by just Ian. It's just me and Ian. We're going to round up what happened in... It was a kind of hectic, surprising, weird round one for the UK Ravens. And, well, for the Baltimore Ravens. How was the... First of all, how was the UK Ravens virtual draft party, Ian? And how are you feeling? Yeah, so I've had about three hours sleep. I stayed up and watched watched the whole thing. Um, the draft party was really good. Big thanks to uh, to Gary, who put that together. Um, we had a nice little room going. Uh, Gary was watching on Sky Sports. The rest of us were on Game Pass, so he was about a minute ahead of <laughs> us. And and he did a really good job of not tipping any picks. He sort of muted his mic at the right times, and he he had a really good poker face, so he didn't give too much away. But yeah, it was, it was good fun uh, hanging out through the night with with some other UK Ravens fans. Excellent. And so, for anyone who's missed what happened, I'm sure by the time you listen to this, you will have caught up. But there was a lot going on, so let me break it down. When I woke up this morning and, and saw the email from the Ravens saying they drafted two players, I thought, how did they manage that? And then opened up uh, a news site and saw that they drafted Marquise Brown, and it was getting weirder and weirder. So a kind of breakdown. I think we're actually, we've got a third person. Gaz has arrived. We've right. uh, no, maybe gone again. We just we just had a Gaz sighting. If we can have a Gaz hearing an audience, then uh, I'll let you know. So there was there were basically four things that happened throughout uh, throughout the evening. It started off with the Ravens picking at fourteen, didn't move up or down, uh, and uh, the, well, tell us who they came away with and what was the what was the reaction like from from our draft party when when that pick came through. Yeah, so it was getting closer and closer, um, and the talk was as as Hamilton started to slide. The talk talk started there that you know, oh, he he could be available here, and it looked like Davis was still going to be available, and and even Johnson as well. So that the talk all, all went to those three really, and it was you know which which of those three would would we go for? Um, and then it was the the Eagles, wasn't it, who jumped up ahead of us and took took Davis off the board. And at that point, I think Hamilton was was the consensus in our room that he he would be the pick if if we were making it. Um, he had to be the the highest rated player on the board. We felt, and and so it it turned out that that Eric DeCosta agreed with us. So that's the the new safety, Kyle Hamilton, who went to the college that we are obliged to call Notre Dame because uh, that's how Americans like to say it. Um, and a lot of people had him as a top five guy in the draft. So him falling to the Ravens is pretty impressive really yeah it's a it's a position that's not sort of well loved in uh, in the nfl circles you don't you don't see the the safety go go high um but but the ravens do do like them obviously they they've been blessed with some great ones over the years ed, ed reed being the best of all time uh they they swung they swung at earl thomas and, and missed unfortunately on that one but but it's not a position they've ever been shy on spending money on. That the big free agent acquisition this year was Marcus Williams, who's, who's the safety that's coming over, and um, you're going to see an awful lot of three safeties on the field with Williams, Chuck Clark, and and Hamilton, who who will be thrown in straight away. Yeah, I mean, it was actually uh, L. Thomas's habit of swinging at other people that kind of <laughs> caused the problem for the Ravens in the end, wasn't it? So I can see Gaz sitting there. Can you hear us, Gaz? I can hear you. Can you hear me? 
Yes, how are you doing? Did you stay up last night? Did you sleep? No, I, I slept all the way through it. Um, I slept all the way through it. It was a slight delay. I'm calling you from an old flour mill on the banks of the River Air in Castleford. So I've got, I'm surrounded by huge silos which used to hold grain, wheat. I don't know. I don't know how you make flour. Um, but we make coffee here now. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's an old building. So the, the internet is a bit terrible. Um, so I'll try and bring what I can in. To bring some actual analysis to it, I don't know if you've already gone over this, you've got to feel like the Ravens wanted to take Jordan Davis at 14, don't you? And it, they just got pipped to the spot because that defensive back room now just seems so crowded. I think that's a good point. And I was wondering what you guys think about Chuck Clark. I know that, that, that John Harbour said in the press conference afterwards, we'll play a lot of three safety sets, but you've got a guy that you just traded for in Marcus Williams. You've got a guy who, if he pans out, and rookies don't always pan out, but if he pans out and projects as he's meant to be, uh, then Hamilton and Williams are the starters with, with Chuck Clark going from the guy with the green dot running the defense to the third safety who comes on when they have a third one. If I was Chuck Clark's agent, I'd be saying to him, you need to be going elsewhere and being a starter, wouldn't you? What do you reckon? Yeah, it's 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 definitely, as you say, a little bit crowded back there now. Um, I'm always in the glass half full camp, so I I really like the three safeties and, and how they can use the three of them because they can they can move them around. Um, I think you you'll see Chuck play a lot closer to the line, um, maybe even playing some sort of linebacker type, using him more as a as a, as a weapon. Um, back there and and don't forget they got Stevens as well I know a lot of people are keen on him and I think he will play a lot more corner but he was in that sort of role last year being used as a sort of DB weapon move, moving around so there's there's a lot that the new uh, defensive coordinator can can play with he's got a lot of a lot of tools now especially deep he's, he's going to want some more up front to, to get after the passer but he's got a lot of options and he can he can mix things around but it is one of those good problems to have Everyone talks about Kyle Hamilton as being this super rangy guy. And listening to the podcasts and listening and looking at blogs today, all I've seen is the word range everywhere, range, range, range. Maybe it's not going to be Chuck Clark's fall from grace, we all think. Maybe Chuck Clark stays at the back. And while Kyle Hamilton learns the system, he almost plays that box safety role and sort of helps out in the linebacker position, which we'd addressed in earlier podcasts, isn't necessarily the strongest position on the roster at the moment. So maybe Kyle Hamilton plays sort of in front of the the safeties as a more of a box safety to help those linebackers out instead. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's often been said that the the Ravens are terrible at guarding tight ends, which which they are, and and Hamilton's going to help in in that regard. He's he's going to go up against tight ends straight straight away. Um, we've been trailing them around the field with old linebackers for for years now, so. Yeah, that should be good to see. And given some of the passing offences we're going to come up against, I like the look of that secondary to to stand up to them. As you say, a lot of options. So there, obviously, knowing the Ravens, uh, made the pick at 14, everyone can go to bed, all done, right? <laughs> no, no, apparently not at all. So what? So I, I've kind of pieced together what Wait. happened, but at what point did you find out that Marquise Brown had been traded and the Ravens now had another first-round pick? It, it was almost instant. As soon as the Ravens pick was announced that it was in, um, you found out they, they traded back into 23. And it, it then took about five minutes to for the details to come through of what that trade was. We now know that that trade had been organised 
you know, in, in advance. So the Ravens knew they had this pick coming. Um, but yeah, as, as I say, the you know, we were watching the screen there. The Ravens pick at 14 was in. It, it was up on the screen. And, and whilst they were announcing the pick, um, I was flicking through my phone and I'd already seen on Twitter, I was trying not to, to tip it to the guys, that, you know, we we traded away Marquise Brown and and that 23rd pick was coming back in so it was it was very quick it's an interesting one because i don't know what the what the rules are whether the ravens can announce that whenever they feel like it or whether they have to because obviously there's there's some benefit in not telling people you've got two first round picks because that that changes how you're going to to act but uh, i don't know whether they're obliged to to tell people once they've made their pick or or whatever but but anyway so we knew as you say it was it was decided between the cardinals and the ravens during the week that they were going to trade Brown. So it was Brown and a third rounder went out and pick 23 came in. Um, th- at that point, when pick 23 came up, you then found out they traded back again, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I've had very little sleep. But yes, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't long after that, yeah, you found that they, they traded back again a couple of spots and, and picked up another fourth round pick. So what, we're up to six six now. What time did pick 25 come in? Oh, that's, you're asking me questions now. Um, it, it felt like it was quite a fast, a fast draft. You know, some of them really, I mean, the Jags did that thing where they took all 10 minutes to make the first pick, which really annoys me. Um, they, they knew where they were going. The, the Lions rushed through theirs. They couldn't wait to get their pick up. And then it seemed like it, it went at a decent pace. So I can't remember the exact time, but it, it was all done. It wasn't that late. I watched till till the very last pick and it it didn't take all night. So it ended up being Marquise Brown and a third going out and a first round pick and a fourth round pick coming back in. And that first round pick was then turned into Tyler Linderbaum, the uh, center from Iowa. So do we want to talk about Tyler Linderbaum coming in first or Marquise Brown going out first? Which one, Gaz, which one do you want to start with? I was, just, I was just going to say, can I jump in here on Marquise Brown and then I will leave you guys to finish this <laughs> podcast this off because I'm, I've got quite a hefty delay and this is getting quite challenging. So, first of all, I, I don't hate this. I think this could be the best move that the Ravens have made in a couple of years. We've had this guy for four years and yet, okay, he's had a thousand yards. He's probably one of the better receivers that the Ravens have ever drafted. But, We've all know it can catch a case of the dropsies. He's not been exactly a standout wide receiver. And EDC has gone out and basically got the same value as what they got for AJ Brown. So, and we don't have to pay him. I mean, it, it looks like he was going anyway. If he wants to go to Arizona and play video games with Kyler Murray, fine. They can both be just short guys playing video games at home and probably moan about football. I think the, the whole thing about his surname being Brown Problems were coming. The Ravens have done a really good job, I think, of actually hiding the problems. And actually, to Marquise's credit, probably, although he did this standard, let's erase everything from social media, it hasn't been like as vocal as some of the other wide receivers, which hasn't made it seem as bad. But I think I put in the group, on oh no, not this group, not in our group, in another group that I'm in, uh, that Eric DeCosta's hand was pretty much forced here. Like, if he was already going... And to get that value for him, not have to pay him. So the Cardinals have got to now take on Marquise Brown, and who's going to want a new contract, surely. So they've now got to pay Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown from who are from the same draft. Am I right? I think they're from the same draft. 
at the same time. There's going to be so much money going into that. It's awful move on their part, I think. And for us, to us, I'm not stoked with the pick at centre there. I know James has been a big advocate that is not the right centre for the Ravens system. And I'd like to have seen something else there. But Marquise Brown going fine. You've, you've got to think a wide receiver's coming in tonight, if not something's coming in through free agency. You've still got splashy names out there. Jarvis Landry's still available. It would be awesome in the Ravens' system. That sort of gritty over-the-middle wide receiver to pet put on the other side of Mark Andrews. You've got Odell Beckham if he comes back from um, the ACL. I actually quite like I, I don't hate the idea of pairing those two back together um, and putting them in the team. So, absolutely fine absolutely fine by it is, is my take on it am I am I the am I the minority here no I, I, I totally agree if if someone had to come to me before the draft and said I'll give you a, a first round pick right now for Marquise Brown I'd have I'd have done exactly the same I think I think I'm I'm probably a little well I'm definitely higher on on Marquise than you are Gaz and, and have been but I, I think you're right for that value you, you've got to let him go um, I think Towards the end of last season, we already saw what we had in Rashad Bateman, and I think you know he he is the the one moving forward as a wide receiver. You have to remember that Mark Andrews is going to be the first option in this in this passing offense anyway. So Andrews is your one, Bateman at two, whoever that guy is, whether it was Hollywood or Duvernay or Prochet or someone coming in, they're, they're going to be the third option. Um, and I, I went and had a look today. I, you might have seen my tweet. I'm not sure Arizona is the best place for Marquise to Brown for Marquise Brown to be anyway. I, if if DeAndre Hopkins comes back, he he's not going to get anywhere near the targets that he's expecting, and he's already kicked off once that he wasn't being used properly. Um, so I, for the value for what they got for him, I, I totally agree. I think they had they had to pull the trigger. One last thing before I go, because this delay is going to kill me. So I'm just going to keep talking through this, even though Shane's now talking on my side. This is going to be really hard for me to edit in a bit. Anyway, (laughs) one last thing before I go and get rid of this delay is most importantly about this. And the only thing I want to bring is once again, Joe Flacco's jersey can once again be retired and nobody should take that number five for just a little bit. Let's hang it back in the locker room and take it off Marquise Brown's back, which I'm happy with. So... I'll let you guys get back to the podcast because, yeah, this delay is going to kill us. And I'll catch up with you sometime over the weekend to talk about the next couple of rounds. Cheers, guys. We'll let you get back to the coffee. Cheers, guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, a good point. He returns the number five jersey, so that's nice. Um, I've got to admit, I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought at the beginning of last season, Brown was making progress in the right way and looked like he was growing into a wide receiver one kind of role. And then... The, the whole offense went off the rails and he kind of faded out, which wasn't really his fault and it wasn't really the coach's fault. They were just doing the best they could with um, a, a pretty decimated uh, offensive line particularly. I mean, if you're a deep threat and the offensive line falls apart, it's very hard to to get the ball downfield. But um, Gaz is right to point out that the, the fact that they kept this quiet was a huge, huge point because Eric DaCosta says that Brown came to him after the season and said he wanted to be traded. And they've kept this quiet this whole way. If the rest of the NFL had known Brown wanted out, then obviously his value would drop because people know the Ravens have no options. And apparently at the beginning of last week, the Ravens were supposedly shopping him around with a view to trading up. So trading up in the first round with Marquise Brown as the sort of bonus selection. So 
the Brown, the, the the Ravens handled this as well as they could, really, and and Brown is going where he wants to go. So I guess it's sort of okay for everybody. Okay for everyone, apart from it seems Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm sure we we don't need to get into it today. We'll, we'll probably talk about it on on a podcast over the weekend, I suppose, with with all the guys. But yeah, um, we, we, Lamar's tweet was was odd. I'll just say that because he had to know this was coming. If if like we say, you know. Hollywood was already there. He, he'd been on the plane. He's this guy's best friend. There's no way he, he didn't know this was coming. So so the tweet was odd. Um, and Eric DeCosta and John Harwell really both sure. said that they told him as well. So so they said yeah. they'd spoken to him. And as you say, his, his friend would presumably have said, you know, I've asked for a trade yeah. and it's all done. Uh, so, yeah, that's very weird. Um, unless he was, yeah, I don't know. don't know what was going on there. But so anyway, he he's he's gone. We can forget about Marquise Brown now. Tyler Linderbaum comes in. My concern is the same as as Gaz's, that uh, all the people who were talking about how great he is, and by all accounts, he is great. This is a potential, uh, this is a Pro Bowl center, a guy who could end up in the Hall of Fame if his career goes to its absolute heights, but doesn't necessarily fit the way that the Ravens play. Are you concerned about that? Are you confident that they can shift the way that they play to accommodate Linderbaum? How do you think it's going to work? Yeah, I, I think I have to be concerned because the, the people I trust the most are, are telling me that. I, I, you know, I don't pretend to know an awful lot about offensive line play and, and centres in particular, but the people I trust are telling me that this is a small guy who, who doesn't run the system that the Ravens want to run. And I think we all know Greg Roman's not going not gonna to change what he runs. Um, but then there, there are a couple of people that, that I do trust who who seem to think that he's he's an absolutely fine pick. I mean, um, Gordon from from PFF has has been on the Linderbaum train pretty early and, and said that he'd be a, a slam dunk pick. And um, you know, just looking looking at all the the reaction from from Twitter from from again the, the big sort of the guys you trust all seem to say that the best safety in the class was Hamilton, the best centre in the class was Linderbaum, and, and the Ravens have got. The, you know the two best players at the at the two positions that they drafted. So I'm not sure how how mad you can be. He is he is small for a, a Ravens offensive lineman, and he he's going to look small next to presumably Ben Cleveland and, and Kevin Zeitler. Um, but you know, I, I think we've just got to trust the process and, and and see what happens on this one. I mean, we're obviously this was the, sorry. I'm, this was definitely. When when the pick was made, this was definitely the one that caused a little bit of sort of ooing and ahhing in 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 our draft room as as we had it. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting uh, Jermaine Johnson to to be the pick there. Um, he he was having an awful slide. We don't know what's gone on behind the scenes there. Um, and I think he in our draft room and on Twitter following along, he was the pick that most wanted to see. I think if it, if it wasn't a cornerback. I think the cornerback would have been a hard sell there, having already taken Hamilton to then take a corner. I think that, you know, yes, it's a position of need, but two defensive backs in the first round, I think, I think that, that would have been a hard sell. So I think Johnson was the pick that most people wanted. When Linderbaum was was announced, it, it, there was a few sort of head scratches and looks. I think people are sort of coming around to it now, but, but it's going to take some getting used to, I think. And he was being touted as a possible pick at 14. So for, for the Ravens to get him at 25, you can't really argue with the value. It's just a question of of how he fits in. And obviously, because we're 
contractually obliged to mention Cole Jackson in every podcast. Cole tweeted um, that they need to transition their play calling more to zone blocking, uh, use Lamar under centre more uh, and run some bootleg zone actions with Lamar in space. And then they can start to get the best out of Lindenbaum. But like you, I'm I'm not convinced that, that Greg Roman is that flexible. I'm not somebody, I'm not on the fire Roman train. I'm pretty happy with him. I think he creates an offence that other defences have to work hard to defend. And I think that's a good thing, but he's not massively flexible. So it's going to be a challenge to see can he change to accommodate this guy's talent, which he really should, because if we are talking a, a Pro Bowl caliber center, then we want to get the best out of him. Yeah. Uh, the, what it what it does do, it, it really shores up that offensive line now when, when you start looking. I'm, we've still got the question marks over Stanley. I think you have to feel a little bit better about Stanley's uh Stanley's recovery and the fact that they they didn't sort of jump on one of these these tackles they didn't they didn't panic um I still think they need to take one maybe in the in the fourth round they take a de- developmental guy um but if you're looking across the line now if Stanley's back so Stanley I think Cleveland at left guard is probably in a battle with Tyree Phillips Linda Barnes nailed on at center Zeitler at, at right guard and then you've got Moses and Juwan James at, at right tackle Patrick McCarry goes back to being the sort of swing tackle on a on a very nice contract for him to 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 play swing tackle. Um, so suddenly, you, at a position that you were a little bit worried about depth wise, you you filled that out. That centre sort of pushes McCarry back out to the swing tackle. I think he could fill in at both right or left tackle, but I wouldn't want to see him play either of those positions all, all season. Yeah, and McCarry, I mean, actually can back up all five if he needs to. I mean, he's quite a good player to have yeah. as a spare, particularly given the injuries that the Ravens endured last year. You just don't know what you're going to be up against. So so freeing him up, I think, is an important part of this this um, pick. So so what's happening tonight then? You're, you're presumably staying up for more punishment. Um so yes, I'll, I'll I'll be up again tonight. So we've got what rounds two and three tonight, um, and and not much has changed. I think the the, the needs are probably still the same. It's, it's still edge rusher, it's still cornerback, and I guess wide receivers a, a bigger need now than it was. Um, but but the Ravens have still got an awful lot of picks. They've got an awful lot of ammunition. Um, I know a lot of people are, are keen on moving up with all these picks into the second round. That's very expensive to do. It's not. It's not so expensive to move around in the third round, but but moving up in the second round is is pretty pricey. Um, and they don't have a ton of. Well, they like to have ten picks a draft. They don't have ten picks next year, so don't be surprised if they take some of these these fourth round picks and package them into maybe a third round of next year, and and just get ahead of it. Um, so there's there's lots of lots of moves to be made, but yes, I'll be I'll be up again watching. Yeah, those are all good points. So there's two, uh, the Ravens pick at 45 and 76 tonight, and then as you say, Saturday from five o'clock UK time, there's a run of six picks uh, out of 31, which is just crazy. So if they take if they stick and take all of those. Um, you've got to figure just your general kind of 50-50 pan out at that level. There's three good players coming in out of those picks. Um, and that's a that's going to be a pretty good haul out of this draft. But as you say, they might use some of that to move up. They might use some of it to to move back into next next year's draft. They've got they've just got a ton of options because of these picks. Yeah, they've got so many picks to play around with. 
Um, it's it's going to be interesting with whichever way they go. I think I think I saw someone said they they own nearly twenty percent of the of the fourth round now, which is just an insane <laughs> amount of, of picks. And there's a possibility that they they gather more of it tonight. Who knows? They might they might yeah. trade back and just just stick the whole fourth round. Just pick everybody. Um, cool. Well, uh, I'll let you go and get some rest. We are going to be back tomorrow, I think, to wrap up rounds two and three. Um, so we'll see what has changed between now and then. And hopefully we'll have more of our usual podcast crew for tomorrow's podcast but we will we'll see who's awake um so we had uh, we should mention ben's um ben's outside broadcast so ben is uh eight hours behind us which is part of the reason why he's not on this podcast but uh yeah just uh, tell us a little bit about ben's broadcasts from the draft yeah so ben ben was fantastic he's he's out in vegas at the draft obviously with with his job um and and he was sending me whatsapp videos all night he was sort of our roving reporter on on the ground and um, I'm to filming in landscape what Gaz is to sound quality and microphones. And, and Ben started off great. It was all in landscape and he was, these nice WhatsApp videos coming through to me. And you could tell he was getting slowly drunker as the night <laughs> went on. And his videos slipped round <laughs> to portrait mode. And he'd send me two or three and he said, you know, don't use those. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think Ben had Ben had a great time out there. And he did, he did a fantastic job for us. If you go and check out the... the the tweets that I put out last night because yeah he did some really great stuff fantastic well hopefully he'll be on the podcast tomorrow so thanks for listening you can of course get in touch with us in all the usual places share your thoughts on the draft tell us what you think of the picks so far uh, and join Ian through the night at UK Ravens on Twitter but we'll be back to wrap things up uh, tomorrow I guess so until then we'll speak to you tomorrow bye thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. I'm going to leave you with what I think is, I was going to try and play the outro. It was all going so smoothly and now it's gone off the rails. So Gaz is going to add an outro to this. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye.